This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Welcome, everyone. We just watched the film Shakedown by Leela Weinraub, and we have the director here with us. We're so fortunate tonight. Please welcome her. Hi. 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 Thank you. I'm Ray Miller-Young. I'm professor in feminist studies at UC Santa Barbara. I'm so pleased to be in conversation with you. This film was amazing. Thank you. I have questions for Leela, and then we'll be opening it up to the audience. Um, I want to dive right in with this film. It's kind of in the style of a documentary, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I felt like it um, didn't have this same kind of problematic framing of an object that we need to inquire about, objectify, look after, Instead, it, it was kind of like a time travel experience to the late 90s, early 2000s. And we were brought in as participants and community members in, in a moment in time. And I wondered if you know, that was something that you were very conscious of as a filmmaker, deciding not to kind of objectify the subject and be more experimental in the form of the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, or not. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, totally. No. Um, well, I think it actually starts with the show itself. Um, like as person that went there and was like a patron and saw the shows. Um, I mean, I guess I could just start with like Egypt. I think that she Mm -hmm. is a really powerful performer Mm -hmm. and there's something about the space, the way that it's set up, not something about it. It's everything about the space, the way it's set up, Mm -hmm. the way that um, I think Ronnie controls the room with the, on the microphone. Mm -hmm. I think, um, like from the second you enter the room and like pay to get in, I think that everyone in the club kind mm-hmm. of like teaches you how to act in the club. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a certain set of rules for that space. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, Ronnie was setting out the rules for us yeah. too. Yeah. I felt like, okay. Right. <laughs> also Egypt us. kind of like mm-hmm. shows you how she wants you to interact with her. They're very much like mm-hmm. in command of the show and in charge mm-hmm. of the, um, way the shows happen and roll out mm-hmm. and the way that like, um, people that are watching the show get positioned and get to like participate in the show. So, um, they're very much in charge of their performance and they mm-hmm. kind of teach you how to be there. That's what I thought. Or that's what I learned. So mm-hmm. my job, um, I think was to record, um, the shows as best as I could and get as close to the feeling mm-hmm. of what it was like to be there as possible. And I worked mm-hmm. on the film for over a decade, almost 15 years. So everything I thought about in that time mm-hmm. um, was like through the lens of Shakedown or like Shakedown was through the lens of whatever I was like thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was guided originally just by trying to 
be there in the moment and um, record, just actually do a good job of recording it, you know, and um, then try to like make a document or object that um, accurately portrays the feeling of what it's like in the club. Wow. Well, why were you there? Like, how did you get there in the first place? And why were you the one with the camera? Oh, well, I asked just, like, if I could work there, you know. I, um, <laughs> just because you wanted to be around? Yeah, or? basically. Like, I, um, I had just moved back to L.A. from Ohio. I went to college at Antioch. I studied oh. film there, but it was called Media and Social Change. And I was working in documentary. I worked for a director in Los Angeles who was a oh. big commercial director. And then mm-hmm. in, um, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm an amen corner. Okay. <laughs> and then in Ohio, I worked for these documentary filmmakers mm-hmm. that were, um, that make, I think, like labor films. And mm-hmm. Antioch is like an anarchist, um, maybe like lesbian school. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, so that's where I was coming from, yeah. and I was in Los Angeles, kind of figuring out what I was going to do, and mm. I was at this other gay club called The Arena, mm. you know that? <laughs> um, it's a mega club, there's like uh, 3,000 people there, Wow. maybe 2,000, <laughs> wow. anyway, it's one of those big mega clubs, and after it was over, there was like the let out area and I got a flyer for shakedown and it was the graphic design was really good. And, um, I went to the club. The show was so Mm. spectacular and I had never been to a lesbian club with that much, first of all, that many people in it Mm -hmm. where everyone was like that, um, attractive, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, (laughs) I went to, um, lesbian clubs before in Ohio, but mostly they were like Mm. by the air force base, like next to the cornfield. And like Mm -hmm. you would go and there'd be like a slot and you'd have to like bang on the slot and they would open it and you'd be like, can I come in? And they'd be like, sure. And then (laughs) that's deep underground. Yeah. And then you would come in, there'd be like two people in there, you know? And I was into that, you know, (laughs) I was into that, that like that vibe of like, lesbianism being kind of like empty and alone and stuff. <laughs> um, but this so was I the opposite. Expe- yeah, I had not experienced the other part, the other side where it was like really alive and everybody was like so attractive and that mm. was really important to me too, you know. Mm. Um, so I just asked if I could work there and Ronnie was like, um, do you do anything that like we need, you know? <laughs> Can you be useful? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I was kind of like, sure. Uh, I went to college <laughs> right. for uh, film. I was uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I went for media and social change. Right? Do you need any media or social change? Right. Yeah. Which is like no camera training at all. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, I could take pictures. Um, so I said that I would take stills, and then maybe mm-hmm. they could use it uh, in their mm-hmm. ad, like to advertise a club. I did that for a while. It was okay. I mean, they were okay. They weren't the best <laughs> I had seen, but I think they took better pictures because like, it was somewhere in between like advertising for the club and like how I felt about it, but I thought it was really <laughs> static and frozen, and that one mm-hmm. frame 
was not the right way to record what was happening. It was about mm. everything that was happening in the room, like all the faces and just like the vibe was the most important thing to record. So mm-hmm. I um, tried to start taping them, the shows, and um, I like just went with a friend's camcorder. Mm-hmm. It was SD tape. Mm-hmm. And that dance like with Egypt where she has the blue wig on is from the fir- one of the first nights that I taped video there and I was like I watched it and I was like oh man this is <laughs> you know it looked really good mm-hmm. um that was an incredible performance and I'm nodding yeah. because around the same time I was walking around LA with a camcorder right filming black porn stars for my research cool and so it's amazing to have that experience what year were you doing so that was like 99 to 2010 or so Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah same time yeah i started in 2000 the end of 2002 and Mm -hmm. um wow i stopped in Mm -hmm. a little bit in 2010 i moved to new york to go to grad school but i continued to film with egypt Mm -hmm. um and jasmine until 2014 Another similarity is that, you know, Egypt and Jasmine are so compelling. Mm -hmm. They're such amazing performers. And not only were their performances so dynamic, and I think you used the word alive, Mm -hmm. but they created a space around them that everybody was participating in, that we were participating in too as viewers, Mm -hmm. that was a space of desire, a space of joy, and a space of freedom I think right. that, um, you know, for a lot of people who may be looking on the outside don't realize, like, first of all, the criticality of having uh, a black lesbian space at all. Like you said, that right. it's often, um, you know, we have empty spaces or we don't own spaces. We have moving spaces. We have underground spaces. We have contingent spaces. Um, and because our bodies are at risk, often our spaces are at risk. So I wondered if what you thought about, you know, what's the importance of creating these spaces that they, they created in that moment? Why was it, like, significant to create these, like, really special moments of aliveness and, and community? Well, first about, like, Jasmine and Egypt, mm-hmm. they, they're stars. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if celebrity mm-hmm. was, like, kind of democratized the way that it is now with Instagram... Um, mm-hmm. then they would it, have been, yeah, for sure. Instagram stars. I mean, there's, or mm-hmm. they're just like, they're, <clears throat> yeah, they're definitely stars. And, mm-hmm. um, like when you, when they come into a room, you can like feel all that energy, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're obviously like celebrities and hold a room, like hold the, a room like that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And yeah, Egypt to me is like, um, just like this American, like, uh, there's like this old school American character, kind of like the in Godfather, the Godfather, or <laughs> like Scarf. You know what I mean? <laughs> she just like is has that kind of mind frame, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but she was badass. So there was <laughs> a club next to Shakedown. There's a movie about it. It's called The Catch. And it's uh, um, it was owned by the owner who is a black mm-hmm. lesbian, and it, it it was the oldest running or the longest running mm-hmm. um, gay black club 
west of the Mississippi until she sold it recently. It was just like a couple of years ago. Wow. So, like, I always think about Shakedown. I have to, like, kind of think about it again, how how I feel about it. But um, I always feel like in my – this is my personal history of Los Angeles and – like I'm from there. I'm like from the neighborhood that Shakedown is in and the catch is in. My parents used to go to the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jewel had used to have a burger place called Catch One Burger, and we used <laughs> to go there, you know. And um, like in my history of Los Angeles, there's something about that neighborhood that is like um, shifted post the riots, you know. I think that it was kind of like um, mid city. You know, it was a place I was like people would go to party there. Mm -hmm. And after the riots became like totally segregated again, Mm -hmm. there was a a sentence in there where Hot Dog Mm -hmm. says that um, he was there before the freeway was built, which is like also like was a segregating. Mm -hmm. um, I almost said sculpture. Um, Infrastructure kind of project. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, Shakedown mm-hmm. is like about it being black owned and black run. Mm-hmm. And, um, there wasn't a lot of tourism happening at that time. So there's a really special vibe that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could feel it. You mentioned the riots too. And it's, I got really anxious during the parts with the police mm-hmm. and right. I was really worried. And I thought it was interesting how, um, People in the community there kind of took opportunities to speak back to the police um, and also to try to take time to to cover Jasmine mm-hmm. uh, when she was being cuffed and those kind of m- moments of pushing back. And, you know, this is a community that was completely um, violated and turned upside down by the Rodney King case and the L.A. riots that you mentioned in the 90s. And. I, I wondered, you know, to what extent did the, um, you know, fear of policing and the criminalization of black spaces, you know, um, you know, have a presence in the club? Was it something that was constantly on people's minds that we were going to get raided? Or um, how did people negotiate that? I think in L.A. you, like, live in a state of being police all the time. You, mm-hmm. like, always know where the where there's a cop car like you know so I think you're always Mm -hmm. acutely aware um of the LAPD also Mm -hmm. just the sound of the city like helicopters and um so I want to say like yes Mm. people are acutely aware of the police um Mm -hmm. and then also no you know it's not Mm -hmm. like a thing like oh we're gonna get raided Mm -hmm. I don't think that that was on anyone's mind Mm -hmm. raided um I guess that um, when that happened, when there was like a series, when the police were coming like repeatedly, I thought that that's what the film was going to be about. Mm-hmm. I thought that the club was going to get shut down and mm-hmm. that um, people were going to find out about it all over the America mm-hmm. and that people that ran the club and worked there and owned it were going to be super upset and mm-hmm. try to get it to open again, you know? And um, that the film is going to be about the you know this like resistance, and that didn't happen. The vibe was more like let's kind of get out of here and rebuild somewhere else like fast, you know. And um, 
think there's just like some, yeah, I I can, I guess I could say what I feel that is, but it was more yeah, of just like a pessimistic view of like, the, mm-hmm. anyway, I also think that it's hard to understand how um, fragile the thing you build is, you know, and that it's really not hard, it's not that easy to rebuild it. I think that's one of the things that's um, really um, unfortunate. Like at the same time that ballroom is becoming popular, mm-hmm. it's there's a show about it on FX called Pose. Yeah. So suddenly everybody around, you know, in like Ireland and Korea are like, there's a ballroom scene, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the actual communities that it emerges from are like under intense fire and heat and a lot of that kind of intensification of policing really you know came with this kind of move of gentrification to move people out of those spaces right and so the kind of desire to find space is is part of that experience and it's it's something that gets hidden by the the kind of now global popularity of um kind of black gay culture mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, you know, what, I guess, what would you like people to know who really don't know much deeper than the TV show about the kind of lives of the people who were part of that community? About ballroom? Yeah, and about this kind of black lesbian space that was shaked down. I feel like the film itself is like the document that I'm trying to like... Mm-hmm. Um, present and in a way I feel like that that's a gift you know there's a lot of like work that was created and there's just a vibe around how to live um that was kind of being expressed and that it was important to me to capture that and also share that you know I think it was important for Jasmine and Egypt to be seen and for that to be to spread you know I'm like, isn't that a... <laughs> That's enough. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I guess I was just um, wondering about the kind of... It feels like often black culture is co-opted in the popular realm without much understanding about um, what it means for the people who live it. and um, right. Or there's a kind of... Um, now, especially on social media, too, a kind of easy um, appropriation right. of of black culture and styles. And people think if they can twerk, like, you know, there's like all these videos too of white people twerking yeah. in the Walmart as, mm-hmm. as if it's transgressive and revolutionary. Um, but you actually showed the meaning of where those kind of dances emerge from mm-hmm. and what they... Um, they signified for the people who are practicing them and right. and consuming them, and it, it feels like um, like it was very life giving. Right. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I think about it like from Egypt's perspective, like it's like would be mm-hmm. cool and important if she is gets to benefit from that in like large ways. Like, as a choreographer, mm-hmm. is not only like mm-hmm. inspiration to the work, but also gets to be the like is not only. Insp- the original innovator and inspiration for other people's work, but then gets mm-hmm. to like function in um, the economy that she's in, which is in entertainment, you know? Right. And um, 
Yeah. All those questions are really big, (laughs) you know, (laughs) let me make it smaller too, in a way. I think that, um, one of the things that I wanted to, um, understand too, is how you took 400 Mm -hmm. hours or more of film and made it into this. I mean, you said it was years and years of being there. How did, how, what was the process of editing? Well, um, it was, it was, um, I had the help of a lot of people and, um, there was an edit that was like four hours long. Wow. This is kind of missing. This film is like where I needed to start telling this story. Um, I really thought that I was making, I, I thought that I was making a labor movie. I still think this is a labor movie. There was a lot of, um, conversations mm-hmm. and discussions with everyone in there that mm-hmm. are not in this. Cause, um, it's okay if I start a little bit before this, yeah. <laughs> which is like, um, I guess why it's coming out now. Yes. Um, so that's a great question. Yeah. It was really hard for me to put the film out before. Um, uh, I just felt like the, there wasn't a, the audience and the world wasn't ready for it at all. And I was worried about, um, having to like subject Egypt or Jasmine or anybody in the film to the mm-hmm. scrutiny of um, an audience like before basically last year, you know, or the year before that. And there was just not mm-hmm. enough images of black lives or black people or like black women for, mm-hmm. and it kind of has to do with Obama, not like his, him, but <laughs> just that time on earth. Mm-hmm. Sometime after that, people were like, there was a, there was more images um, available just of like, like people, like black people, like um, doing nothing or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like swimming or family, like mm-hmm. really it just like nothing. And that was really mm-hmm. important. Um, that was extremely important because um, before that it was hard to portray Egypt as who she is, which is she's infamous and she's notorious and mm-hmm. she's her own creation. And, mm-hmm. um, there was, I felt a duty to portray her as good, a good person, you know, mm-hmm. and that she didn't, wasn't, there wasn't enough room for her to just be herself. Mm-hmm. And it was also because like people needed to see images of mm-hmm. like, black people portrayed as good people, you know, yeah. and that needed, that needed to happen before shakedown mm-hmm. could really like, I mean, maybe that sentence sounds insane, but <laughs> like, um, that was my like feeling about mm-hmm. it, you know, is that it was, um, yeah, it just wasn't, or the world wasn't ready. Or, or I just felt protective of the film and the footage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so that why brings is me the, to why, you. <laughs> so, so the world is ready now, and we're so excited um, for it. Yeah. And how did you actually make it with oh, all right. of that? So, <laughs> so that, that's what I was saying. No, so um, I needed to start with what the club was and how it feels to be there, to get into these like deeper conversations about um, like um, generations and like inheritance mm-hmm. um and like middle class black families in california and like where egypt comes from and her grandfather who worked at firestone for 44 years mm-hmm. and he was really like kind of the center of that family and kind of um bought property um really set them up in a very particular way that mm-hmm. seemed like was not an uncommon story 
and that being different from Egypt's labor, which was more of like a gig economy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Anyway, and also like her work mm-hmm. being like identity and um, like a performance persona or a mm-hmm. fantasy that she creates. And mm-hmm. um, also just like American labor and identity that you just, you know, all of our identities are so f- formed around like what we do. Um, anyway, so there's a lot of stuff that we talked about Mm -hmm. that was in a longer piece that didn't, um, it was hard to put it out there before this piece could exist. I think there's other stuff that's coming Mm -hmm. out of this body of work. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you're, um, focusing on labor and I think, uh, it's really important to, um, to see, um, these women's sexual performance as labor. And um, I think that I think it's really interesting to incorporate to this kind of range of performance, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was curious about what you felt like you learned about sexuality and gender, <laughs> you know, in that space, because it, it was such a rich space. You had this, you know, continuum of genders. There's probably at least six genders at play yeah. in, in the space, right? Um, from high femme to studs. Right. And maybe know that like high, this high femme female mm-hmm. persona like runs the world, turns the world, you know? <laughs> um, what did I learn about sexuality? <laughs> and, I mean, in gender, I guess it seems like it's... yeah. And it's very, it can be very playful instead of very Mm -hmm. binary for one, right? But it seemed like these people were kind of innovating. Right. It's so hard to say that in a sentence. Um, I guess, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, will you tell me more about what you think? Yeah, no, I think that um, I feel like it was, uh, the whole film was really creative, in terms of constantly seeing people perform gender and sexuality in these yeah. really um, creative ways. And you also talked about legacy. So the footage of from the 90s was really interesting because it's it's something that I, th- I feel like um, I can hear, like, uh, you know, my great aunt saying, you know, we didn't do that back in the day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Right. But actually... We just saw the footage. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we, saw, we saw the evidence. And I know. We've been doing this kind of creative play with sex. Right. I was trying to figure out what the genesis of, like, lesbian stripping in L.A. was. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people that were like, I was the first. I'm the first person to do a lesbian strip night mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And there was, like, 20 people that said that. <laughs> and they're, in, in their own way, they're all right, you know. Um, they all did it for the first time in their way, you know, in their area. And like, also it takes all of them, all of those stories to kind of like create an actual, like an accurate history of what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. the footage I got Mm -hmm. was from someone named Cabrini Mm -hmm. and she, I think was hitting on my mom. (laughs) and my mom like referred her to me and like and was like oh my daughter's making a documentary about that in general and so um I interviewed Cabrini and she had a night at the catch which is what we saw the 90s the 92 93 footage wow and um like yeah it was just such a 
cool special place and then there were nights that would just like mix where the beginning of the night would be like a lesbian strip party and then the end of the night would be like a drag party you know and so it wasn't like going to see the lesbian dance it was like going to see the girls perform you know and that kind of led to like even more of this like solidifying of this like high femme thing Mm -hmm. people working on that together in a way Mm -hmm. so uh yeah which is great because at the time I feel like there was so much emphasis on masculinity mm-hmm. and aggressives and studs. And this is like the first time I'm feeling like right. the femmes and high femmes are getting attention. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot going on in the queer community. In the early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of new ideas. Um, and it was really like... Um, maybe like the conversation, you know, or the things like being written about or talked about were about like a masculine perspective, mm-hmm. but it was like, um, yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was really important to highlight, to say that out loud, to say like high femme, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and not like lose that that's an idea or a place, you know? Really or that that's important. work or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It is work. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really, really interesting. I think um, in addition to um, this question of um, femme performance, something that came up, especially with the, the couple that had the child, yeah. which is so interesting too. It's like another way to show the importance of this, this labor for the community is like, it literally reproduces the community. Right. Like they, they are ha- off of this important labor that the dancers are doing, they're also paying for things like surrogacy, right? Right. Um, but something that they revealed in that great moment, and I don't know how you got that wonderful footage of the uh, public access talk show, mm-hmm. um, is this kind of question of homophobia um, mm-hmm. within the community. Right. And I thought that was really important yeah. to hear. I mean, I listened to the whole tape. They were on that TV show for two hours. And yeah. I was surprised by how supportive people were. Over There was a lot of people that would call in and be like, the Bible is a book, you know? Wow. And they would be like, you need to read it. And this is not right. But there was overwhelmingly, like, um, a lot of support from people. Um, and, you know... Then there's, like, filmmaking where you could, like, insert that as... You could problematize that. You could kind of, like, choose the bad stuff or choose the negative opinions Mm -hmm. and then make that, like, this thing as evidence of, like, a us-against-the-world kind of vibe, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And there, we just thought it was really important to hear the positive... That less frequently heard is the... um, like, older black community weighing in on, like, the (laughs) lifestyle of, like, a younger community in a positive way, Mm. which seems, like, um, important to know about. (laughs) And it's really complicated because I think Egypt also talks about the fact that some of her fans would have these kind of very homophobic reactions when realizing their own children might be gay, and that's one of those really difficult things within the community is that there's all these layers of support and also like self-policing and respectability Mm -hmm. and kind of. And that's, I mean, I understand that too, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed like 
I guess the the younger generation and the way that she describes like it, it gave them something to I mean it, it was a space for older folks but it also is a space of fantasy right. and important for like there was a lot of different black ages people. at mm-hmm. that club um, I'm trying to remember his name um Anyway, sorry, the guy that w- was doing the TV show, he actually owned the club that Shakedown was at. He, they had what? two nights. They had, what? Yeah, they had one crazy, huh? in Mid-City and one in Inglewood. And mm-hmm. he owned this club called um, A Current Affair. Hmm. And sorry, I'm trying to remember his name. He's such an important person. He was also... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That was a great a great moment. So, um, one more thing that I really want to ask before we take questions is yeah. about your filmic influences. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you see yourself as part of like a tradition of Black LA filmmakers, or um, you know who you were maybe inspired by in terms of like Charles Burnett right. and Julie Dash in terms of their being experimental or even Cheryl Dunier later. Um, or if you see yourself in relation to like the kind of new school, the people like Ryan Coogler who are, you know, kind of transforming the way, like you said, we're seeing black people now as icons and heroes in movies like Black Panther. And we're having this particular moment of a lot of visibility in Hollywood. Um, yeah. And art. So I wonder if you have like affinities to particular filmmakers that inspire you and maybe shaped your experience. Um, I really love Watermelon Woman. That was really mm-hmm. important to me. Mm-hmm. It was like um, also, what is that called? Um, it was important. Like I liked that she, there wasn't a history that existed that was mm-hmm. documented. So like recreating mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, that like really stuck in my mind for a really long time, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and Julie Dash and mm-hmm. Charles Burnett and even, even like Arthur Jaffa, mm-hmm. um, all those LA experimental filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I love their work and know about it. And I think are, I'm inspired by them. Um, I feel like I'm from a really particular group of people working together that's like outside Mm of um just film you know Mm -hmm. I just like have um friends in New York that Mm -hmm. are artists and designers that work in like Mm -hmm. fashion film Mm -hmm. and art um Mm -hmm. and that we kind of like are in the the same vibe Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know so it's multimedia. Yeah. yeah. Multi- I mean, I appreciate all of those films. Mm-hmm. And I also, like, really wanted mm-hmm. to be um, mainstream in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the mm-hmm. soundtrack is, like, noise music. But I really wanted the people <laughs> that are in the film to kind of get the vibe and aesthetic that I'm working on, which um, is specific, you know. I wanted them mm-hmm. to get in like it get into it and feel like it accurately like you know portrays something that they Mm -hmm. identify with you know Mm -hmm. so i'm into being experimental um but i also wanted to make sure that the people in the film um first of all 
like really are like oh, like they look, <laughs> you know like I guess you know mm-hmm. or but they're really very much a part of it. I think that they. Um, What'd they think of it? Did Egypt see it? Um, Egypt has seen it a, a lot the entire time. She was a big part of the editing right. the entire time of the oh, filmmaking. Wow. So there was a lot of very expen- experimental, slow, um, like, edits in there. And, um, she, you know, it was good to have her feedback. And she um, has a very clear style herself, you know? And that I think really shaped my style. I mean, more than anything, I really think that working at the club shaped, like, my style. And I hope that, like, maybe I'm a child of <laughs> Shakedown more than, like, Charles Burnett, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> We're wrapping. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.